You'll never believe this. A pastor and a rabbi walk into a podcast. To discuss how faith and tradition should inspire but never limit us. Yeah, we talk about surfing, stand-up comedy, religion, family issues, pop rocks, and absolutely nothing at all. You'll have so much fun, you'll never believe we're actually religious leaders. Um, you could do, what could you do for Christmas appetizer? I mean, what are you having for your dinner? No, it's for a party. It's not for Christmas dinner. I'm so confused. So you're doing appetizers. It's like a part, it's like a cocktail party. Oh, okay. You want to, yeah, yeah. So obviously pigs in a blanket done, been there, done that, right? You're not going with that, right? But you can't eat pigs in a blanket. No, we do. We have kosher pigs in a blanket. Oh, they're we, kosher pigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we do kosher pigs in a blanket. I was like, what's wrong with pigs in a blanket? Oh, right. Not actually pigs, just the blanket and like a hot dog inside. So, oh, I'm trying to think of other good app. I mean, like every time I think of appetizers, I think of spreads because that's what we do on Friday nights is we do spreads. You guys do that? Like hummus and stuff like that? Oh, like a charcuterie board? I suppose. I really have no idea what that is. You call them spreads. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you think everywhere. I'm funny, but I, I, I guess that is the most like it's got no name to it. It's like, yeah, we just spread you, a bunch of crap you, on the table and people eat it. We actually call it schmears because you schmear it on your, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, yeah, that's definitely not whatever word you used is not the word we use. So that's, that's cool to learn a new word. What's the, um, what's the Jewish phrase that's equivalent to putting your foot in your mouth? Oh, that's a good question. Putting your foot in your mouth. Um, I don't know. I don't know if there's like a really good phrase for that. Well, but... whatever it is, I heard you did it. <laughs> <laughs> you heard all the way there, did you? Oh, yeah. It's international news. My goodness. This is amazing. I can't believe I've made it all the way to California. I wonder if Hawaii heard about it. They shipped it over on a boat. Oh, my God. It was, it, it was so ridiculous. I can't even tell you how ridiculous it was. Okay, so should I take you like should I, I'll take you step by step. So what happened was not this past week, the week before, I had like a cold and I had a I had a circumcision coming up and I was like, I'm just gonna knock it out of here. I'm gonna like just not move for the whole week. I'm gonna rest. And so Thursday, late Thursday afternoon, I realized, oh my goodness, I was asked to speak on Friday night in the shul. Now that for me, you know, under normal circumstances wouldn't be a big deal, but it's in Hebrew. So like, I feel like I got to get like, I got to like practice it a couple of times. I, I don't know. You you do practice your speeches, right? You actually do them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm like, if I'm speaking in English, I don't really feel the need to practice. Like I, the words will come to me. It'll be kind of improv It's fun. But like Hebrew, I'm like, no, 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 no. I have to have like some words ready to go. Like, so yeah. So I get, I, I basically spend a little bit of time on Friday night and then practicing it on Friday morning. And I feel like I got a, this is good. I got a good speech. Now it wasn't anything innovative. I didn't come up with any new ideas. I was basically just coming in and talking about what one of the commentators on the Torah said. And I was like, great. So this guy said this and it's really what great. Was this and this is what it means. Who was, who was, who was this group? So um, there are a couple different synagogues around my area. And this one is like in this little, in our little zone of our town, this is like one of the more established ones. It's been there for a while. The age bracket is a little bit older than I am. 
Um, and so this was the, this was the place I was doing it in. And it was like, you know, this is normal. Like there's a rotation of people who are doing it. It's nothing like I'm not hired or anything. It's not, they're not paying me. But it was, that, me to do was it. that temple. It was like in yeah. a, a worship. Yeah. Oh, right. okay. so you could have just said that. that oh, so I, so I know you're Jewish, but if you can cut the stories down to the point, that'd be really helpful. <laughs> Wait a minute. If was that could... like the... Now, was that like the version of the crudite or whatever you were talking about with the food a second ago? Like, I, I thought I said synagogue. I thought you got it. I thought, no. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'll, I'll slow down. I thought synagogue was a word that we had covered before. So if anybody out there is learning a new word, synagogue means temple and temple means synagogue and putting your foot in mouth is what I did. Here we go. So so I, I basically write this speech about how... If everybody knows the story of the Torah, I'll give it to you in brief. There's a part where Shimon and Levi like kill everybody because the 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 town, the leaders of the town, the son of the leader of the town raped Dina. And it's really, it's not a comfortable story, whatever. So I talked about it and I, um, and I talked about them as sort of being the heroes. But at the end of the story or just after it, as it like comes to summation, Yaakov, their father, Jacob, is upset with them. And I said, oh, well, why was Jacob upset? And I said, Jacob was upset because they shouldn't have killed like the entire town and taken all the women and children as like, um, like pillaged the whole town. They should have just killed the people responsible, gotten Tina out, and that's it. So I said that. And then I said, what it means is you have to be, even when you're fighting your worst enemies, you have to be moral, right? You have to be, you still have to do your best to not you know, fall prey to just doing whatever you think is right. And I said, and it's just like our army here in Israel, known as the Chayelei Tzal. I said, they are the, they are a really good example of being moral. Um, and then I said, now this is where it gets like a little bit crazy. I said, so when you, you know, are fighting your worst enemy, even at that point in Hebrew, we say yesh gvul, which means there's a limit to what, and I, that's, just what the words mean. There's a limit. And I, and the words came to me like almost as if like I was inspired by, you know, the heavens. And I was like, oh, what a, I didn't like practice those words beforehand. And I was like, it was such a good way to sum up the whole thing. And I felt so proud of myself, but the room was eerily silent when I got off, the, when I got down from the, uh, from the, from where I was speaking. And I sat down. Is it usually nobody, not silent or people like cheering? Well, and, no, it's Hallelujah. <laughs> Actually, it's funny because when I do when I do weddings, if I really do the speech that I do at weddings well, people do clap, and it's very weird because in synagogue there's yeah, no it's clapping. A wedding. It's not a yeah, yeah. It's not worship. Yeah, there's no there's no there's no clapping in synagogue. But like I've had people make jokes as I came down because I talk about like in this one I actually spoke about um, Die Hard and Commando, and I call I spoke about a couple of things that I thought might invoke a little like oh let's make a joke. No one said anything to me. No one came up to me afterwards and said hey great job, my. Uh, one of my close friends was there. His father was there. I'm close with all of them. They said you didn't really land the plane. That was their 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 critique was I didn't. You know how you some people have trouble landing the plane. You know what I mean? And it just takes the plane really long time, and they take forever to end it. I apparently just like there's no air there, and then the plane just fell thirty thousand feet to the to the to the runway, and so they were like, you need to find an ending for your speeches. And I said, okay, fine. But I thought everything was fine. The next night. The my friend's father comes up to me and he says, Well, you really, you really upset some people. And I said, I, excuse me? Good. And he goes, Yeah, yeah, it would have been good. Like, listen, I'm all about upsetting people when I want to upset people, when I want to do something controversial. But I had no idea I had done anything controversial. He says, Sure. He said, You don't know what you did? 
I said, no, what did I do? And he said, when you said the words yesh gvul, which means there is a limit, there's an organization here in Israel that's very, very left-wing and critiques the army harshly. And everyone thought you were referring to that group and that you think that that group is correct and you think that the army is wrong. And da, da, da. and I was like, "Are you, you're kidding, right? And he's like, no, I'm not kidding. And the guy who organizes all the speeches in the synagogue called me like within an hour of, of Shabbat ending. And was and I, as soon as my phone rang, I picked it up. I said, so you already heard, did you? And he goes, yeah, I already heard. And I had to write a letter to apologize. Like I didn't call it an apology letter. I called it a clarification. And I did say the word, so I did say I apologize for the miscommunication, but that's as far as I went. Um, but I had to explain the entire thing over again. And I was like, I'm doing this in English because I think we have a language barrier and definitely a cultural barrier because I had never heard of this organization before in my life. But I was like, it was a, it was really sort of jarring. I don't think I've ever had a moment where people misheard me at this level. Um, like the guy who wrote the message to, I got the message that was written to the person who organized the speeches. And the guy was like, this person insulted our entire community. He needs to apologize for what he did and did it. And I was like, oh my God, like that bad? Yeah. You know, like I could understand people not understanding what I'm trying to get at, but being that upset when I was like, it was totally unintentional. I mean, have you ever had this? Does this ever happen to you? Cause you speak sure. a lot more than I do. What do you mean? You get, you've insulted people at this level? I've insulted a lot of people. I mean, it's part of the, I mean, but no, no, no. Again, did you mean to? Did you mean to be controversial when you did? Or was it like a total sort of came out of left field thing? Oh, I mean, there's been both. Um, you know, sometimes in, um, in preaching, everyone has their own context. And there's kind of a shared assumption that most, that, that everyone there is from the same belief system. You know, they're all yeah. Christian and they're um uh, trinitarian um uh, they believe jesus is the son of god those kind of things you kind of have this shared Trinita sorry just to be clear because some of my listeners not, might not know that word trinitarian means believing in the trinity correct oh they have three eyeballs oh that's perfect i thought that's what it was okay yep, great everybody there that yeah trinitarian means that um god there's there's kind of one god head there's one um essential being that we pray to that it has three as manifested in God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So there's the Creator, okay. there's the Savior, and there's the Redeemer of the world. But they're all one thing. We just can't right. understand it, so we break it up into three different people. So we call it Trinitarian. They're all the same. Where some, the it's not like it's not like you only eat three things, right? That's the because Trinitarian could be like you know right. vegetarian, right? Piscopal. Right. Okay, go ahead. Touch on the plate. If they touch on the plate, we're <laughs> not it. Trinitarian. Get it's out. a military meal, right? It's we're a military not welcome meal. at my church. If your mashed potatoes, <laughs> if your peas creep over in the mashed potatoes, get out. Get out now. So that's when I've been wildly misunderstood. <laughs> when we have those mixed food lovers. No, come on. Give, give me the real story. I want to hear. So, yeah, I think just uh, oftentimes there we sort of operate from that assumption, which you probably do as well. And you get people who uh, you know, are coming in from different backgrounds or different beliefs or kind of people go, oh, I didn't know. I didn't I didn't know we believed that here. Um, right. And you kind of go. So I had somebody come and in their second week visiting the church, they you know, went around telling everybody I was preaching heresy and they couldn't believe I would get up and 
say such things and they didn't say why. And so I followed up with this person, I don't know, course, email. Um, and it was one of those kind of core things. And, you know, they, they couldn't believe that, um, Jesus, uh, actually, you know, maybe something like Jesus actually died. I'm like, well, that's kind of in the basic beliefs of 99% of Christians. Uh, you know, it's not crazy. Um, I said, you didn't think, wait, sorry, this person didn't think that Jesus died. That was the issue. Gee, they didn't think Jesus actually died. They think that it was like a metaphor. He was, oh, I know he was death. mostly dead. It was only say. mostly dead. <laughs> Got it. Got and it. so, uh, yeah. So, so, you know, so it's a different story, but I think there, there's a lot of those. I don't have any specifics on the top of my head, but, um, right. I get a lot of my, my students, the, the, so I coach some people who are looking to be more engaging in their preaching styles and work out specifically things like this in their public roles. Um, just kind of like how they say things and what they have to be sensitive to, but there's, there's tons of stories like this that students will bring to me. <laughs> it's almost really? sometimes like the, th the things that they said, like you, like they kind of said something that triggered people. Um, it sounds like you were yes, misunderstood, which we can talk about, but a lot of times it's more people are triggered. Like the phrase you use, if it sounds like sure. Donald Trump, something Donald Trump would say, Right. Everyone assumes you're a raging right-wing Republican who um, wow. enforced the insurgents on the Capitol. And you're like, no, the phrase just made church great again came out of my mouth. You know, like, <laughs> made church great again. That's I, the best. I, I did not. I did not. It's just a good phrase, you know, and it sounds like that's something that kind of went your way, huh? Like you said something. Her name was Magatha. What did yeah. you want me to call her? <laughs> so, <laughs> mega. Hey, mega. Um, but is that is that more accurate? Like it sounded like you you said something or you. So some, I'll tell you what I think. You, I think you're that... on the right. Yeah, I think you're on the right track. I think what happened was was um, there was the major difference. It wasn't just because I, I I simplified it just a little bit. It wasn't just two words that popped out. Right. What happened was is there is a major difference between uh, my belief system and at least one of, if not, you know, multiple people that I set off, right? And that being, there are people who believe that you can say nothing disparaging about um, the forefathers and foremothers from the Torah, okay? That being, um, in my text, I said, like I told, like I sort of told over that, that um, Jacob was upset with Simon and Levi, right? He was upset with them because they killed a lot of people. And what seems totally logical to me, you know, that he could, he could, and maybe should be upset. So what I did was I quoted, um, a commentator who lived in the 1800s, who was a very popular, very well-known respected commentator. And I just told him what he said. Now, this person is of the ilk that we don't speak ill of any of the forefathers and foremothers. And I am not, that is not my, you know, as we've probably talked about before, that's just not my, that's not my role in the world. I feel like the more human the characters are in our texts, the more we can learn from them, 
right? That's my goal in life. And so if somebody did something wrong, right? And and like I said, if if I had come up with this, right? If I had said it myself, I would expect people, I'd be like sort of tiptoeing and going, okay, maybe this is going to get, you know, some negative reaction. I just quoted a very well-known person and said, this is what he said. And this is what I think we're supposed to learn from it. And this, the, the person who reacted the way that he did, or she did, because truth be told, I have no idea who this person was. Um, this person really felt like we don't do that. And I feel like that's just, I'm just so not, that's not my outlook on this whole thing. You know, they are humans. That's why I love them and no disrespect in any way, but, and I think you might be the same in the, in in the same ballpark with me. We don't have saints. I mean, do you have saints in your part of your tradition or do you, are saints not a big thing for you guys? Not humans who became saints. I mean, we believe, you know, Jesus, the son of God is the only, right. Anybody else is just a person. Correct. And I think that when you elevate people to that level, and that's sort of the goal that we that one is supposed to try to attain in some senses, you're setting yourself, I think it's a recipe for failure. You know what I mean? I feel like people don't, people don't uh, generally speaking, achieve that level of piety. And that's not a bad thing. I don't think that anyone should be feeling bad about themselves if they don't, you know, get mm-hmm. to that level of perfection and great. Um, but I think that the, that like, if I, I, I think I've said this to you before, but for those who haven't heard it before, like, I think the, the, the Genesis in and of itself is a book about how to not parent. Like, that's basically what I feel like it's about, you know, that, that there's a lot of family dynamics that really aren't productive. You know what I mean? And that's, that's my viewpoint. So this person did not agree with me. That was the starting point. And then all, I went on to say this thing that he could sort of jump on and say, oh, look, he's talking about no. And and that was just not true. It was not true at all. Yeah, um, and I think also like being, um, I mean, whenever we're speaking, part of it, part of it is you, uh, because you have a microphone, it's not a conversation, right? There, and, mm-hmm. and everybody, so, I'm thinking moment. of uh, you know what I'm thinking of when you're saying that right is Adam Sandler going I have a microphone and you're going to listen to every word that I say <laughs> go ahead I yeah <laughs> but um you know so you know in if you were in a different setting with that person or those people you would have it would have been clear and you would have given each other the benefit of the doubt but for some reason they could villainize you because you were on stage with a mic or on whatever you were with a microphone and then they needed another outlet to be heard. You know what I mean? Like, and so suddenly you become this massive, massively greater villain that is sure. aligned with the uh, the imperial rebel. I mean, the, the imperial enterprise or whatever, <laughs> and 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 meant to be hated and uh, excommunicated from Judaism forever. You know, For sure. it's just like oh, just ask. You know what I mean? And I hate oh. that. like I get that often where it's like, you know, people will be like. I can't believe Pastor Ralph said this and 12 people will hear about it before someone's like, maybe you should ask him because that doesn't seem right. You know, totally. And, uh, and, and not only that, I, um, my feeling was 100% in line. I think, I think you're, you're spot on number one, but two, um, when I wrote my response, the response basically was like me writing up the speech that I did on almost in full. And then the last paragraph I said, you know, there's probably like, I feel like what you're saying is, if I, and I felt this true, if somebody felt like they didn't know that a representative from said organization that they despised 
was coming to speak at the at the synagogue and then they were sort of subject to it then i feel like that's that's not fair you need to publicize that a controversial organization is going to come and speak at the synagogue that's what's happening on friday night if you don't want to be there you don't have to be there you know whatever it takes but but i wrote in this in the in the last paragraph i said hey you should just understand you like the whole the whole community there's going to be people who get up and say things myself included that you might not agree with and i think that that's okay and not only that if you have a problem with what i said please feel free to speak with me because i am fine to be critiqued i where i i welcome it and i want you know i want to have that conversation with people but but this whole thing of like like you're talking about excise the thing that i don't agree with that's a huge problem in our world right now and i was like not willing to take cuz i i was like listen there are things that i say and believe and do that i you know i'm i i take my stances and i stand by them but but if we're not willing to have a conversation i think we're in a really bad place yeah. So the other thing I always do with my students that are, that I consult with is I say, well, bring me that speech. Wait a minute. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. I just want a clarifying question. How do these students come to you? How does this work? I've never heard about it before. I just was wondering what it is. It's like a, it's like coaching. It's just online coaching. So online and. Over oh, nice. Okay. So they just find me through um, word of mouth, friends of friends, that kind of stuff. And and this is a business thing that you're doing, or this is just you help people out because you're yep. a good guy like you are. Yep, I help people both. I mean, it's I'm not making a ton of money, but it's if it's worth it, you should. Pay, you know, it's only worth uh, worth what you pay for it. I think so. Mm -hmm. Doing it for free, people wouldn't. It would it'd be a waste of my time and theirs because they probably wouldn't make as much change. So, it's you know, I do uh, four four speeches, help people with four speeches. And each one gets about four to five hours of review and an hour conversation, and it helps them be more engaging uh, and uh, kind of clarif clarifying of their message. I'm just sad I can't record anything on Shabbat, man. I would love it. I would love the feedback. Okay, go ahead. Now tell me what happened. So, 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 what I would say to you, if you, if you, this will be a free. You, you send it to yeah, me, a freebie. Send it to me, and I would say, okay, let's take a look. How much of this um, misunderstanding? are you responsible for like what percentage are you actually responsible for? Cause if we as public figures and um, communicators cannot be open to clarifying our message to the smallest margin of error possible that people could hear, then we're actually doing more of a malpractice than we are effectively communicating well, right? Like, cause you want a hundred percent of the people listening to you every time you want a hundred percent to hear you clearly a, a message that you uh, intentionally plan to communicate. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I'll tell you what's interesting. Cause this is why I, when I wrote my response, I wrote it in English because that is a huge thing that I always fear when I'm up there. Like I feel like there are times because I'm speaking in a in a, in my not native tongue, and I'm speaking in Hebrew. I feel like when I'm speaking, that at best I'm getting it over at like a third grade level. That's first and foremost. You know what I mean? But I always try to keep it simple anyway. Even when I speak in English, I try to keep it simple. I don't try to like use highfalutin terminology. It's not really. I don't think that does anybody any justice. <clears throat> but I think what might have also happened in this instance is that. I didn't spend enough time developing certain ideas. You know what I mean? That like, you right. know, 
first of all, I don't write out a speech. I know I don't know about you, but I don't write it out. It is it is like really terse notes. So that I look at it and it has the words that I want and whatever. And like I said, it's kind of it's not improv, but I but I have the the sort of ability to move and I don't want to I don't want to sound um really robotic and reading because that's how I would if I read it I would it would be robotic but mm -hmm. I but on top of that um <clears throat> I've probably done it by the time I got there on Friday night two weeks ago I had probably done it at least three if not four times over right so then you have this danger which is what I think I fell into of going you get it so much you've done it so much you assume everybody is on par with you you know what I mean and you right. didn't spell it out enough so that people got the message clearly like step by step so yeah so that's I think the, that was that's the part of any preaching extemporaneously it's called is you really have to hit those the the your main points and your transitions hard and then i think the part where you I mean, growing into it sounds like you have to be aware of, okay, where are the trigger points people have? That's what I, that's what I always say. Like, consider what are the trigger points? Who's in your room? And mm -hmm. what are you saying that might be triggering the people? Because if you're aware of that, then you're aware of how do you clarify what you're trying to say so they don't hear it as a something that puts spins them out of control into sure. Israeli anti-Israeli nationalism and well, the know. truth of the matter is there was a double problem here because one, the words themselves came totally uh, improv, and that's number one. But number two, I don't even think I would have ever seen this pitfall coming. Like once, I mean, some the, I was told what it was, and I went, "What is that?" And they're like, "Oh, that's an organization." I said, "I've never heard of this before." You know, yeah. so I hear what you're saying, and so I'll, I'll tell you an interesting. I mean, if this is, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but. Um, I got a, I had a, a, a circumcision on Shabbat this past Shabbat. So this was what we're talking about. The speaking that we're talking about wasn't this Friday. It was a week ago, Friday. And then this coming, this just past Friday, I'm in between the two. I messaged a, a rabbi who recommended me to do this circumcision. It was going to be in his synagogue on Saturday morning. And I said, Hey, I'm going to get to see you in action. I was really excited to like see him work. Cause I've done a bunch of stuff in his synagogue, but it was always during the week. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm going to see you in action. He goes, Hey, do you want to speak on Friday night? And I said, Oh, you want me to tell you what happened last week? It's like, I don't know if you want me to do that. So I wrote a, I wrote another, I just, I agreed to do it. I wrote another speech and I'll tell you two things that I did differently. One, I actually knew that I was going into territory that would might be somewhat controversial. I knew I was doing it. And two, the thing that I did differently was I think I wrote the actual speech, the, the things that I write out, I think I wrote it three times, at least twice. I think I might've written it, written it a third time. And by that time, by the time I got to the third time, I had basically like you're talking about, I think I was hitting the transition points much better. You know what I mean? And I was like, okay, I, I practiced it a couple of times speaking already. And then I was like, no, I'm going to write it another time and really get it organized. And so that was really helpful, number one. And then uh, I'll tell you the story of what happened. So I went and I spoke um, and I got up there and the rabbis, I said to him, I said, do you want it in, in Hebrew or English? And what do you think he said? English. Both. Oh. <laughs> I was like, awesome. I'm loving it. Now I've done weddings like that, but the speech that I do at weddings is like, I've done it so many times that it's like almost like second nature for me at the time, even if I go between both languages. So this one, I tried to do both languages and I kind of went like, okay, I'm going to do both, but I'm not going to translate every single sentence. And that I'm not sure if that was a mistake or not, but anyway, I saw a guy in the, in the community who was sitting there, an older gentleman. Now I got up to speak and I was like, Oh my gosh, this community is 
quite a bit older than I thought it was going to be. I think this, I think this, this speech is going to fall. It's not going to land the way I want it to land. And I picked out somebody randomly who was in this, who was in the sitting there, like in one of the front rows, this older gentleman. And I said, Oh, this guy, he's, he's going to hate this. And I just, I don't know. I got that sense. Right. So I was a little nervous going up and I gave the speech and I was like, you know, and I really felt on point when I gave the speech, I felt like I took my time. I switched between languages, the whole nine. And as I stepped off, um, I, I, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And I sat down and everything, all the, there's a second part of the prayer service after the speech. And I go to walk out and the gentleman who I had picked out walks up to me and he says, literally, he goes, that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I loved your story. And I was like, well, it was the Torah story actually, but I thank you very much for the compliment. So like, I really felt much better. You know what I mean? That, that he gave that positive feedback. Um, but I, I, I mean, and, and I wrote an ending, you know, I had, a, I had actually had like a closing at the end. So I landed the plane and da, 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 the whole nine. Um, and I think it went much better. Uh, but, but honestly, I, I, I could imagine, this is the thing I could imagine if next year, let's say hypothetically, the community here where I live asked me to give a speech on that same one at the same Shabbat. Cause that's when we'll end up at the same story. I, I could imagine giving that over and people not being happy about it and people giving me a hard time. Sure. Just because it's, cause it's slightly controversial. They're already expecting me to say something stupid, whatever. And, and the truth of the matter is when I first heard that somebody was upset, I was like, so don't ask me to speak again. I don't, I'm not getting paid. This is my job. You know, I'm just trying to be helpful in the community. So, okay, so now yeah. that I let you avoid the question and make other points, for 10 minutes, <laughs> how, what percentage, give me a number, what percentage of misinterpretation were you responsible for? Maybe I was misinterpreting your question. Okay. So I'll tell you, I think um, what I was told was just uh, not my own guessing. I actually asked around. There was definitely more than one but I don't know how many, but I would imagine <clears throat> my guess is somewhere between one and two handfuls of about a room of 80 people. Not, not what percentage know. of people, what percentage of fault, right? So like, Oh, 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 sorry. I, I, mis mis I misinterpreted the question. Your, your preparation, communication, your style, mm. all that stuff. And someone hearing that you're anti uh, Israeli army, what yes. percentage were you at fault in that misinterpretation? I would say it's probably an 80, 20 split. That's what I would guess. You were 80%, say, you were 80 or they were 80%. I think it's 80% my responsibility, but I think there's a certain level, a 20% responsibility, not uh, that is not of my doing. There's nothing, there's some, there are times where I think, like right. you were saying yourself, uh, something that's going to happen. I, I might strip over something that I've never heard of before, or I might just, whatever it be, 20% of it is probably no matter how much you prepare, you're not, something's going to fall short. It's not going to be what you want. But 80% of it is definitely, I need to prepare to the utmost of my ability to make sure that the the message is heard. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's what I, I mean, that's the important part about um, anything, you know, public and and when you're representing another group or, or body is uh, you have to always assume that you're you have the majority of fault at hand. Cause if you're not vulnerable enough to say, okay, what do I own of this? Mm. Um, you're not, you're not actually, you shouldn't have the the role of a public representative. You know what I mean? Mm. About totally. like, polit politicians, right? We vote. You're only there because we voted you in. If you're mm -hmm. not representing the majority of the people that said, we want you there, you're failing. And same deal, I think for, for us, even though we're employed and, you know, charged in these ways, it's like, 
if we're if we're assuming it's a hundred percent their fault because they're an idiot and they're wrong and they just need to mm-hmm. listen harder or stop thinking about football games while they're in in synagogue, then we're missing the point that we're we have a gift that we're allowed to be able to do this. It's not um something we've we've earned. So we have to represent, you know, the God of the universe well. It's and it's on our fault if we miss the point, not someone else's. So sure. that was good that you, I mean, you got to consider people's triggers. I thought of a good example that just happened a couple of weeks ago. I wasn't misunderstood, but I was preaching a sermon um, that I titled Choose Joy. Mm. And the idea was that happiness and joy are different where happiness is fleeting. It comes and goes like a joke. It's funny. And then you forget about it where joy is like this lasting um, internal difference that some larger truth makes. So the the fact for us that, um, Jesus was born on Christmas and um, brings about our salvation, brings a sense of joy. Now we can still be suffering. We can still be hurting. Uh, it doesn't mean cancer goes away forever because we're, we believe we're saved by Jesus, right? It just sure. means that there's something greater in our lives that we can cling on to and we can look at when we need it. So I, I, I clearly knew, but going into it, there are people right now going through cancer who are grieving sure the loss of a loved one who are alone this Christmas or excluded this Christmas. And so I stopped in the middle of it and I changed my entire demeanor, my entire body language, my tone, my timing, my cadence, my vocal, uh, my volume. And I just said, look, I want you to know, I'm not saying that your suffering will go away or that choosing joy is going to cure your cancer or your family is going to suddenly love you. None of that's true. Right. God didn't fix that stuff. I said, God just gave us Jesus to be with you. And if we can remember that amidst our suffering, it makes the sting and pain be less than it was before. So don't hear me wrong. And I think that was the connecting point because before that, it might've sure. felt like a Tony Robbins self-help sermon. It was like, just choose joy and you'll yeah. be better tomorrow. <laughs> Get confident, stupid. Smoke yourself thin. <laughs> yeah, I, I, wow. No, that must've been, I mean, and the truth is, did you, that moment was planned or it wasn't planned? That was very intentional. So doing exactly what, you know, what you did in your second speech was kind of, okay, what, what are the landmines I might step in? Which ones Mm -hmm. do I want to address ahead of time? And which ones do I just want to make sure? So I made sure to very intentionally directly address that one. Some of them you just smooth over, right? You're like, you you just kind of walk around and you say, okay, I'm going to, I'm not going to bag on Jacob directly when I give this talk. You know what I mean? I'm just going to kind of hint at Jacob's, um, you know, Jace, Jacob's going a little too far, but I'm not going to say directly he did something wrong. But so it's more covert where this one, I was like, I got to hit this overt because if somebody's about to cry because I'm telling them, you know, depression isn't, they think I'm telling them depression isn't real and they can just be happy if they want to. <laughs> right, right. I need to tell them, right. And, and, and directly say it to them. So it was a very like overt, uh, conscious decision to like, take that, take that aside and mm-hmm. give a moment to what, what triggers there were in the room um, so that I wasn't misunderstood because I think, and that's got to, and again, that comes through what you just did, like the misunderstandings where you go, okay, I'm 80% at fault here. Um, What do I do next time? You know, how do I, how do I change this? And it only comes through owning that. I think people who wind up uh, saying it's always a hundred percent, everyone at fault, just wind up bitter and isolated and they become leaders of, cults and not you know communities or churches or synagogues that feel like communities they're they're just cults that are 
beholden to themselves rather than representatives of a faith that they should be, you know, standing up for. Mm. Wow. That's powerful. Now is, is, uh, is, is how big is Israeli nationalism as a kind of hot button point over there? Because I know similar stuff happened, especially in the last couple of years when, uh, when Trump was president, um, as far as, uh, you know, white nationalism, Christian nationalism, these ideals that like, you know, we're the best, we'll destroy anybody. You can't say anything negative about it. Don't criticize us or else you'll get the, you know, the end of this, the end of the sword, that kind of thing. How, how big of a thing is that? Well, it's, if you'd asked me a couple of weeks ago, I would probably say, <clears throat> I would have said not so big. Um, but now, now that you stepped in the shit, uh, there was all me, it was all me, everyone, you know, I apologize. Um, the, no, the, 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 there's a new administration coming in, uh, taking over oh, yeah. right now and the new administration, um, there's a lot of concern over, um, at least two of the people who are who have joined and two of them have said things that are pretty uh, outlandish and um disparaging towards those who live amongst us uh who most well, I shouldn't say most I would I would hope that most of us want to sort of find peace with and they right I'm talking about the the arab community that's amongst us and and there's this fear um, and actually what's crazy is it's not just a fear in Israel because I, I myself am I'm not I'm not like horribly scared. I'm I'm concerned with the ramifications of the actions of some of the people and some of the things they might say. Um, yeah, so they're sort of hate mongering. They're, they're they're yeah, there's a little bit of that. And they're, and they're also the Muslim bear. Exactly, exactly. I don't know what his name is. It's probably Muhammad. But they um they there, there's also talk of um, lessening the uh, impact of the of the Supreme Court, which is a real, it's just another thing that makes you think like, well, where where are we going democratically right now? Um, I don't think it's as bad as as people are making it out to be, but it's mm -hmm. scary. And and that and that this whole thing, which is crazy, was that we've had oh, I don't know this was our fourth election in, and I think two or three years. I forget the the time span, but it has been back to back. And what's interesting is that the the voters basically voted in this block of of governmental representatives who are much more right wing. Mm -hmm. um, and if you ask me when it comes to security, I'm probably pretty right wing in Israel because I feel like um, we we face a lot of problems in that department. But when it comes to social issues and integration amongst, you know, and trying to live amongst our neighbors, I try to be as, you know progressive left wing as I can possibly be. Mm -hmm. And the, this is not, these people are not representing that, that sort of standpoint. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit scary. I don't feel that what I feel that might be different from, from your neck of the woods is that I don't feel that this nationalism is coming from the, even though the votes came from ground up, I feel like it's not coming from the ground up. I feel like these people don't necessarily represent, um, the majority of the of the people out there, but I think people were just so sick of not having a government or it changing every couple months. Almost it felt like that they just said we need to have a, a, a group of people who are going to build a sustainable coalition because that's how it works here, right? They have to build a coalition, mm -hmm. um, and that's it. They just said uh, whatever. I don't care what their stances are as much as I care about not having to vote all over again. 
I'm going to spend millions of dollars to do so. <laughs> They're just too lazy to get the right ideals. I'm like, yeah, well, it's, I voted. It's definitely, I mean, listen. I don't care what happens. As long. I wish I would, I wish I could chalk it up to laziness. It is to have four elections in like two to three years is ridiculous. I mean, this is not, this is not the norm. What basically happens is the government's there. And then somebody in the government says, eh, I don't want this government to exist anymore. I'm not, I don't want to be part of this anymore and breaks up the coalition. And then we have to do a whole cycle of this all over again. And it's millions of shekels, millions, millions of dollars. And it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous process. Um, it, it's very unlike America where I like, I feel like in America, you can maybe strike, you know what I mean? And take, go on strike for a minute, but you can't just say, I'm going to take down this entire government right now. And like, yeah. and that's what they do. So it's very frustrating, but, um, but I hope that, that the implicate, like, I think a lot of people who get into to government here have, we've had many people in the past who have had these sort of streaks of nationalism and their, their sort of leanings and, and, and speech, it all got kind of downplayed um, mm -hmm. once they took over a position. And things got like you know cooler. So I hope yeah, that happens. Suddenly they become untouchable in everyone's eyes. Like uh, like that's the that's what I was getting at. Is like are they un? Can they be? Are they open to criticism or fault or or can you like? Can you even say that? Or the second you you know either empathize or go against them, is it like is it like defaming Jacob? You know what I mean? The sudden the yeah, whole, the whole country goes up at arms. Or you're you're. Mm -hmm. No, I don't think so. I think it's what's very interesting is that there's a lot of people running the gamut of the per, of perspectives in this country, and they're what's great about Israelis is they're not bashful. Um, I feel like people tell you exactly what they think and what they feel, um, and you know, and sometimes to the betterment, and sometimes to the not to the betterment of your you know enjoyment of what's happening. Like they, I I was walking with a friend of mine once, mm -hmm. and his baby, it was getting cool. You know, it was like you know fall, late fall maybe. And his baby didn't have socks on. And a woman just walked up and she goes, your baby needs socks. And then walked away. <laughs> I'm like, and that's how it is. They'll just tell you what it is, what they're thinking, what they're feeling. Um, she might have had a disorder time, of, some, of some sort too, but yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, whenever I see socks, I got to tell people. So the, um, <clears throat> but, but that, that also like, what is amazing is I think as well, and why I also love living here is that People, the, the common question after people vote for a government is, who'd you vote for? Like, there's no bad, you don't, there's none of this like hiding it and trying to, you know, we all talk about the positions that we have and we fight about it and we argue about it and we scream and yell at each other and we still love each other. And that's okay. And that's something I, I think we could all benefit from. Yeah. It's interesting there too, because in essence, I think a lot of the, from what I understand, at least a lot of it comes from a central religious base that your government is leading from religious ideals right and it's so it's amazing that people are so divided around something that should be so unified have you met a jew before i mean is this uh your first jewish uh, interaction we had a whole we had a whole talk about <laughs> you about the random <laughs> arguments that you have to you oh my have. god it's not only the random arguments but like it's Hyper so funny because you'll sit there and you'll say like I said to this uh, this woman uh, a couple of weeks ago, she was she was gonna I was gonna marry her and her future husband, and I told her some sort of random thing that we needed to do in the wedding ceremony, and she said, "Why do we need to do that?" And I said, "Well, we're we're concerned that that if somebody sees you doing this, then they might think that, 
And we never want somebody to think that that's what happened. And she goes, we worry about things like that. And I was like, have you met a Jew before? Like we, there's so many different varying opinions on every single, you know, question under the book. Like there's no such thing as one answer. And as much as that's a wonderful thing because of the, you know, plurality of speech and thought and all those things, it's also not so great because you never get a straight answer. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad that uh, you're working on it and taking some ownership uh, and accountability for what's going on. I mean, even though it's hard to be, you know, you got to be, you know, like a doctor or surgeon, right? You have to be 100% sure when you get up and start talking. But at some point, you always got to be open to the fact that you might have screwed up or hurt somebody or done something unintentionally. And that's the the 100% role. Hey, man. Great chatting with you today. It's a good time to wrap up. Yeah, definitely. Keep real. And everybody out there, thanks for listening.